With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Bonham goes inside on Wesley Gordon with a right hand, isn't able to get anything with his right hand, switches off to his left hand, goes off the glass and hits it. A little fadeaway left hook there, didn't know he had that. Scott guarding Bonham, he guards him tough, but Bonham goes right to the rim with a right hand to finish, and we've seen that a few times from Bonham tonight. That man can finish, wow. That Bonham for Utah is creative around the rim. It's three now he's had, just kind of flipping it up there. Here comes Bonham, Bonham working on Josh Fortune, goes straight up with the left hand and layup, and the game is tied at 52. Bonham in those finishes, man, he can finish anything. Chapman down low to Pirtle, Pirtle guarded by Scott, shakes a little bit, goes back outside to Bonham, Bonham takes a three and hits it. Here we go. Bonham being guarded by Josh Fortune, Bonham pulls out with seven seconds left, he has the ball, dribbling, goes left side, four, three, goes up for a layup with left hand, makes it off the glass with one second, big time shot Bonham, Josh Fortune with a heave. Off the glass, Utah steals the win from Colorado here at the Ford Event Center. Bottom, who was finishing all night, finished off the bump with a great left-handed layup off the glass. Utah wins it, 56-54. Live from Blake Street Tavern, it's the BSN Buffs Podcast. I am Jake Shapiro, your host, alongside editor of bsnbuffs.com, Ryan Koningsberg, the lead writer, the beat writer for bsndenver.com of the Colorado Buffaloes, Ryan Koningsberg. How are you doing today, Ryan? I'm great, man. Uh, I mean, I say this every week, but we get to watch the national championship at Blake Street Tavern here, the, the big house on Blake, as I like to call it, also known as my, my second home. Uh, as Cam said, they should make me pay rent, and somehow we've got it the other way where they're actually paying me to be here. Um, that's a beautiful thing. The mega cast tonight for the college football national playoff, uh, the final. You have uh, Alabama and Clemson on ESPN 1, on ESPN 2. You have who knows what, ESPN 3, who knows what. ESPN 37 is Ryan Koningsberg alone eating at the Blake Street Tavern. Eating wings. Yep, live, live webcam. I like that. I would watch that if I was not me. <laughs> <laughs> so egotistical. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go right into this Utah recap. The Buffs only had one game this weekend because they were uh, playing their travel partners, the Utah Utes. Uh, they ended up losing that game 56-54. to They dropped to 12-4 and and 1-2 and in the Pac-12, identical records to Utah. The Buffs and the Utes are now 5-5 five and five since entering uh, the Pac-12 against each other. Probably not the result the Buffs fans wanted. They could have won this game. A 9-2 run by the Utes at the end halts the Buffs' efforts at celebrating this game. It was not bottoms up for the Buffs. It was bottoms down and uh, a disappointing end to the game. That was a really exciting game. Yeah, it was It was uh, kind of as advertised. Um, I thought, you know, obviously the the Scott and Pirtle matchup ha- had implications of being this high scoring, you know, this and this. Um, and I thought the way that it ended up working out was almost more entertaining. I mean, Josh Scott putting on an absolute clinic 
defending Jake Jakob uh, Pertl was so, I mean, to me that was as entertaining as anything we've seen all season. Um, the work he was putting in denying those entry passes, uh, how frustrated he got Pertl not being able to finish over him, um, that, that was amazing. Um, and just another game where the Buffs can't finish down the stretch. Um, and I know I asked Tad Boyle, and, and he wouldn't say that it's become a, a, a mental problem within the team, but in my opinion, it absolutely has. Uh, they get down to four minutes, and all of a sudden they're thinking, oh, no, let's not go do this again. You know, we have to score here. Oh, we didn't score. Oh, no, we better score on the next one. Um, and it's really gotten in their heads, and it caused them to just make not smart plays down the stretch. I mean, why is the ball not in the, the hands of George King and Josh Scott? Uh, George King ends up ends up finishing that game with 21 points on eight of 10 shooting, three of four from three, and he he scores their only bucket in those last five and a half minutes. But that's his only touch in those five and a half minutes. Um, it's shocking to kind of see Josh Fortune being the one able to make that mistake at the end where they turn the ball over in their last possession when. You're, the ball at the end of the game needs to be in the hands of your playmakers, uh, and it just wasn't. This was at least the sixth or fifth game the Buffs have struggled to score in the last four minutes. And Chris, the owner of the Blake Street Tavern, was talking to us pregame how he's so accustomed now as a Buff fan to someone being able to drive to the rim and get their own shot and create their own shot at the end of the game, whether that be Spencer Dinwiddie or Skia Booker. Or and Alec Burks going back even a little right, bit. Right, and this team just does not have that. And maybe that guy can be George King, and you saw George can create his own shot and get those two points at the end over Jakob Pertl. But right now, this team doesn't have that, and maybe it goes back to this thing, which we always talk about. Your leader is a forward. Your leader is a, uh, a center down low. And the Buffs have trouble getting the ball to him. In this game, the Buffs didn't really have that problem, and Scott was great. But at the end of the game... The Buffs weren't continually feeding Josh Scott in the post where they should be giving him the ball. I, I've been saying it for years and years and years, and I know you know this, that, that the, it doesn't work in college basketball. But there's absolutely no reason why. There's no reason to not feed the ball. It's something about the last four minutes everyone thinks that it has to be a jump shot. Like, right. it blows my mind because just feed it to Don't just feed it to Josh Scott in the last four minutes. Um, the one take he did have, he got swatted by Pirtle, was probably the one of the best uh, defensive plays Pirtle had, and maybe people shied away from him after that. But it's like, let the man go to work. He's your, he's your horse. He's your best player. Um, you know, I just don't understand how it can happen that way, where everyone just thinks it has to be a jump shot late in the game. Uh, it's, I think it's too many years of watching Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and whoever it is. You know, LeBron's the only one who really takes it to the rim at the end of games. You know, Steph, it's always a jump shot for those for those heroes, and I think that has kind of gotten in their heads and become a thing that just goes across basketball, and especially in college basketball. In a game that only featured four free throws attempts for the Buffs, they hit three of their four, uh, where they're accustomed to hitting probably or getting to the line about 15, 20 times a game, you'd think they'd want to get the easy shots. You'd think they'd want to get Josh Scott low in the post, an easier shot than mid-range jumpers where they have really lacked. You know, if you were looking at offense where the Buffs probably struggle most, it's mid-range jumpers. And they just were not putting themselves in positions to succeed offensively the last six minutes of the game. And this is becoming a trend. And you mentioned it earlier, but it is very concerning for the Buffs, who are going to play a lot of close games in the Pac-12. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog conference, as Pat, uh, Tad Boyle said. And uh, most of these games are going to come down to one, two, three possessions. And if the Buffs, you know, yeah, they're out-rebounding teams. Yeah, they're probably doing better on the turnover margin. 
But if they're not able to hit their shots, if they're not able to execute, does it really matter if they're getting more rebounds? Uh, well, uh, yes, it still matters. I mean, it's always going to matter to play defense and rebounding. You know, you play defense the way Tad Boyle wants you to. You don't give up a game-winning shot to Lorenzo Bonham at the buzzer. Um, and it was good defense, so, uh, you know, you, you can't hate on that too much. But he still got a pretty uncontested drive to the lane before Josh Scott came over and helped. Bon Bonham had 17. Out of his 17, you could probably say 12 of them were really tough shots that he hit. It was, un it was unbelievable. I mean, I kept saying it over and over in the game, like, this guy cannot miss inside. It was, he was extremely creative around there. But this is a game where you hold Jordan Loveridge to 9 points. You hold Kyle Kuzma to 12 points. You hold Jacob Pertle to 6 points. How do you – I mean, there's absolutely no way you don't beat Utah. They only scored five bench points. You got beat by one guy making plays around the rim, uh, and that cannot happen at home. I mean, they played great defense. Uh, they they missed their numbers by just enough that it gives Tad Boyle so much more uh, um, fodder on why those are his numbers. I mean, they uh, out-rebound them they were by plus six. Seven. Yeah, they, plus they six, out, plus seven. They yeah. out-rebound them by six. Tadboy wants him to out-rebound them by eight. They shoot 40.4%. Tadboy wants him to keep it under 40%. You hit those numbers, you actually do win this game. And the crazy thing is, Bonham might not have been the best player had the Buffs win. George King had 21 points in this game. He was 8 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from the three-point line. He was absolutely on fire in this game. He also had three boards, but he did have four turnovers, which cost the Buffs dearly. And uh, a lot of Utah's points did come, out of, come off of turnovers. But once again, you're looking at it, and the Buffs maybe have the best player in the game if they win the game. They hold all of the Utah guys to the numbers they want to hold them to, and yet they still figure out a way to lose a game. And that is really discomforting. Exactly. Um, and the fact of it is, they better figure it out quick. Because I guarantee you Wednesday night's going to be another one like this. Uh, and I guarantee you Sunday night after that is going to be another one like that. So there's no breaks. No, there, I mean, maybe the Washington schedule. Sure, the, they have the weekend at Washington, but Washington's three and zero. Exactly, you're talking about the best, the the first ranked team in the conference right now. Uh, there's no days off. There's no breaks. There's no bye weeks. There's no easy games. If you, I mean, if you don't, it's not even you have to bring it every game. If you don't bring it for five minutes, you're gonna lose. So and that's happened. That should have happened in the Stanford game. They should have lost that game, and that happened in the Utah game. They didn't bring it for five minutes. They lose. Exactly. Uh, and, and so if they don't figure this out quick, I mean, I, I predict uh, Wednesday to be a really close game. If they lose that, I mean, you can basically kiss the tournament goodbye, and we'll talk to Tyler Ziskin about this a little more later, but that's a scary, that's a scary thought because you're sitting there at one and three. You're going to go so desperate into that Utah game or into the Oregon, Oregon game, and – all of a sudden, you're you're begging to be two and three, um, and I know everything is kind of shaking out weird, but you cannot lose these games at home, and you can't have scoring droughts in the last five minutes of the game. Let's turn it around now. Let's go to the positives from this game, and one of them might have been Tomasaki Zili's two blocks. That was <laughs> certainly fun for Buffs fans, I think. Uh, Wes Gordon had nine rebounds. Josh Scott has another double-double. George King absolutely on fire. Dominique Collier at times, you know, he had a short stretch there for about two minutes where he made a couple really nice plays, two really nice finishes, and then he uh, made a couple nice passes in a row. Uh, where are the positives fall for this game for you? It's so hard to find positives in a game. I mean, I haven't seen Buff fans that upset after a loss in a long time, like going back to maybe like the Chen game. It might have been the CSU game last year. That one was rough. Too. That one was rough too. Um, 
I, I think this one, though, just felt like such a missed opportunity that it was just in your hands. Uh, you have a chance to go 2-1 and one in the conference. They'd be up around the top of the conference. Now they're down around the bottom, and I know it's you know a one-game difference, but it matters. Uh, but I like that you mentioned Dom, and I don't know if a lot of people saw this, but his 25 minutes were pretty good to me in that game. Um, and it wasn't anything great, but, you know, he does have three assists, one turnover. That's what you like to see. Uh, he didn't shoot the ball crazily well, but, you know, three for seven, one for two from three. Um, the one turnover he did have, and you mentioned this on our broadcast, you say Dom is known for making the good play, and that was such a terrible play. I don't remember. Lazy pass. Right, that's what it was. Lazy pass but to he, the wing. But the, the other plays he made were such good decisions. Yeah. And he's starting to turn into a guy that's going to make the right decisions 95% of the time. Well, and for me, the reason why I bring up Dom is because I think Dom is going to have a big game uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he is a great point guard for when it comes to attacking a zone. And everyone knows that Wayne Tinkle and Oregon State is going to throw out that zone um, basically most of the game, if not all of the game. So I, I love the way Dom attacks a zone. He's very kind of crafty in how he can get into a zone and, and take it apart. I think that's the strength of his game. So I look for Dom to have a really, really, really good game on Wednesday. I was trying to lead you here, but I guess I'll just straight out say it. The one positive for this game for me was Josh Scott. The way he played against Jakob Hurdle, unbelievable. You know, I, I've been saying for weeks now, Josh Scott deserves to be in this All-American talk. He's been fantastic this year. And, you know, I had a friend go, I'll believe it when I see it. I need to see it against Jakob Pertl. What he did to Jakob Pertl Friday night, unbelievable. Yeah. I had a lot of Utah fans in my mention saying, well, Pertl just missed shots. Pertl just missed shots. There's a reason Pertl's missing those shots is because Josh Scott was bothering the heck out of him. I mean, he was all up in his grill all night doing, I mean, doing the perfect defense, making sure that he didn't get called for anything cheap, keeping his arms back, using his chest, uh, denying the ball. I mean, uh, Pirtle ends up having eight shots in the game. That's not that was not Utah's game plan coming in. They wanted they want to get him double digit double, double digit shots every single night. He was tied for the least amount of shots in their starting lineup. Exactly, and he's their best player. So Josh did an absolutely exemplary job of defending Jakob Pirtle, uh, and you know it gives you. I, I've never not had any confidence in Josh, but man, there's no one uh, looking forward to if they are able to make a tournament run. There's no one in the country that Josh Scott can't guard on the block. Tad Boyle said this, and I will agree. I would, this is Tad's words, I would not trade Josh Scott for any other player in the country. That's and it's, it's hard to, to disagree with him the way jo Jakob Pertl played uh, Friday night. Yeah, I mean. I mean, he's obviously hyping up his own guy. Right, but, uh, like know. there's a couple of players I'll take, but I, I completely agree with the way Tad Boyle addressed that. And, I mean, how can you disagree with it? Like I said on our video thing after the game, you can't. I mean, he was amazing. He was flat out amazing. And it was funny because <laughs> Josh walked by our video, and you could probably see it in the background. But I was singing his praises for probably 45 seconds. And then right after that, Josh Scott walks by, and, and um, right when Adam's asking me, you know, how do you feel about this team? And obviously it wasn't nearly as positive as I as my talk about Josh and Josh made a comment when I walked by like be careful what you say or something when I was uh, what I basically said was this is a very solid team who needs to learn how to finish which is exactly how I feel about it but it was just funny because I was thinking you know if Josh would have walked by a second earlier he would have heard me you know calling him great you talked about Josh Scott and his ability to play with any big men in the country and 
you know, a place where he could do that is in the tournament. We're going to talk to Tyler Ziskin on our segment, On the Bubble, about where Josh Scott, where the Colorado Buffaloes kind of rank in terms of playing in the country. Uh, they took probably a pretty big hit against the Utah Utes losing at home this weekend, but Tyler's going to have an opinion about it. He's going to tell us what he thinks. On the other side of the break, we have to take this quick time out in order to keep our uh, content free. So uh, we'll see you back on the other side. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. We're back on the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. It is national championship night here. Uh, things are starting to heat up outside of the boardroom where we are doing this. Going to be a great crowd in here tonight. Um, as you guys know, I love this place. It's, it's my second home, um, especially now that I don't have the R-Cave, RIP to the R-Cave. Uh, I'm going to be hanging out here even more. Um, come down to Blake Street Tavern for happy hour. They have one of the best happy hours in Denver. $3 domestics, $4 crafts, $5 appetizers, and that includes the nachos, which are an absolute revelation when it comes to nachos. These things, they have the nacho cheese on it. They've got the regular cheese on it. You've got your meats. You've got everything in there. 
Um, best nachos I've ever had. It's not even close. So, with that being said, we've got Blake Street Tavern's best here in the boardroom with us. Uh, and we got to get into our On the Bubble segment with Tyler Ziskin. Uh, unfortunately, not going to be the most exciting version of On the Bubble with Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, kind of a tough week for the Buffs. Uh, yeah. Um, kind of as we talked about last time a little bit, each week could uh, lead you to a different result. And I think this week was a pretty damning example of that. Um, I mean, that's anytime you lose home games, you're going to slide down the list pretty quickly, um, especially in an RPI calculation where that's 1.4 losses compared to if you're on the road, it's just 0.6. So it's really worth almost two and a half losses in term, it, it compared to on the road. So it's a huge impact. Obviously, you saw that in our RPI. Before the game, we were sitting at a 19. Right now, last I checked, we are at 33. That's a pretty substantial drop, especially given how many other um, teams in the uh, in the Pac-12 moved up this week. Um, to kind of give you an idea, Arizona, who, as you know, had a tough week, got swept. Uh, they actually moved past us this week because they played two road games, road games. and wow. we lost at home. So uh, that, that'll give you how um, how much of an impact losing those home games can be, um, especially against a team like Utah, who anybody watching the game, we should have won the game, obviously. Uh, I think we're better, um, but you have to prove it on the court. I mean, those the results are what's most important. You talked a little bit on Twitter about their projected RPI, and that's gotten to a point now where uh, outside of that kind of guaranteed guaranteeing yourself or really giving yourself a good chance at the tournament yeah so right now it's sitting in in the 53s which is uh not, not ideal not ideal yes um anything anything under 45 you're pretty much a lock e- even in the high 40s you're doing in pretty good shape um it is a projection so obviously we have plenty of time to um improve upon that but it's the lowest it's been since the first couple of weeks of the year before we really knew what was happening there uh, we had a really tough week not only in our results, but a lot of the non-conference opponents we had had awful results as well. I mean, uh, Air Force got smashed at home by Nevada. Brutal for us. Um, Auburn got crushed on the road by Missouri. On the road makes it not as big of a deal, but Missouri's not very good, so that's not a good result either. Um, I mean, Iowa State lost as well at home for the first time in forever. So, yeah, it's been <laughs> it's been a rough one for sure. Um, we've had better weeks in terms of the bubble. Um, but what's nice is that I think from a Pac-12 perspective, we're not sitting all that pretty, but from the rest of the country, as far as from what I've seen from the bubble teams that you see on Lenardi and Palm, uh, our resume is not good, but it's comparable, um, and that's about as bad as it's been all year. So I still I still think there's a glimmer of hope out there. We just we got to win games. I mean, the two Oregon games this week are huge. Um, Oregon State is 31st in the RPI right now. Oregon 11th. Um, both of those are really must-haves for us at this point. Uh, we talked a little bit after the game, and, and maybe you've come off the ledge a little bit. But, I mean, this is the fourth game of the Pac-12 season, and, and you don't want to slap must win on this game. But, wow, it's about as close as you could possibly get. I know you told me uh, after the Utah game, if they don't win that one, you might as well uh, fold it up. Well, I said about that about Oregon State. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I really do believe that because I don't think they're one of the six-packs teams in the conference right now. They are good at home, like a lot of teams in college. They're not very good on the road. Losing to Oregon State on, at home is not a good look. It's going to put us in a world of hurt. Back-to-back um, home conference losses to start the year. I'm not really sure we're rebounding from that, honestly. Um, you could say, yeah, you can win all the rest of your games, but what are the chances that that's going to happen, given how we started? So for me, they're huge. Um, there are definitely a lot of opportunities. 
The problem, though, is that if you get too far behind, there are only so many teams that are going to get in from the Pac-12. Um, you don't want to be behind the other eight teams that are, you know, running on the bubble right now. Um, so you got to find a way to get some wins. The good news is there's a lot of opportunities for good wins because everybody in the Pac-12 is ranked among the top 75 right now. Um, Lenardi actually had a pretty cool article on this topic today, um, and the premise of that was essentially that um, the Pac-12 in the past decade or so has kind of been a step behind the other conferences in terms of elite talent um, as far as teams making it to the Final Four. Um, the last team to do so was UCLA when they went a couple years in a row, and I think that was 2008, he said in the article, and every other conference has had a member of its league be in the Final Four since then. Um, and he was talking about how this year we don't have a contender to get to the Final Four either, and I think that's probably fair given what we've seen so far this year. Um, and he's talking about to combat that, we tried to be as deep as possible and really finagle our way through the RPI calculations by making sure we really didn't schedule really poor opponents, teams that you see in the 250-plus range of the RPI. Um, there's obviously a lot of conferences that have all their teams are in that range, so they avoided that. And you can see it's working because you have everybody except Washington State currently in the top 75 of the RPI, which is insane. I mean, I, I'm working on an article right now kind of talking about it. I don't know the answer yet to what it will be, but but I would imagine that the bottom RPI team in every other conference is at least 40 to 50 spots worse Lower. than Washington State is right now, especially the 11th place team. So I'll be interested to see how that works out. But, yeah, it was kind of an interesting piece, and I think it's smart. I mean, you have a lot of teams that are sitting on that bubble stretch, but at the same time, you got to win the games because if you don't, somebody else will because they're all playing top 100 opponents for the rest of the year. So earlier in this segment, I think it was last week or maybe before that, I asked you what you thought was going to win the Pac-12. Now I'm, I'm almost more interested, what, what's going to be good enough for fourth in the Pac-12? Because, <laughs> man, I, I, st like, I know it's sort of a joke on Twitter, but, man, I think there's going to be a lot of teams bunched together somewhere. Like, even if it's not all at 9-9, nine and nine, there's yeah. going to be a record that has a lot of teams at it. Yeah, we saw this in, the first year we were in the Pac-12 tour. There's a lot of teams bunched up at 10-8. and eight. Um, and I, you, you, to ask your first question, I still think 12 and 6 probably is what's going to get it, it done. Wins it, yeah. um, I, still, I still feel like that will be the case. Um, fourth. I mean, it's not going to be better than 10 and 8. No, exactly. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if there was like maybe you, maybe you see a scenario where it's like 12 and 6 and maybe another 12 and 6 or an 11 and 5. Who's going to, I mean, there's I mean, no way another team is going 12 and 6. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably not. But, like yeah, you, I mean, there, there's no way you have more than four or five teams with 10 wins in the conference, I don't think, at this point. And is that going to, in turn, hurt them in terms of how many teams make the tournament? Um, I think it will, it, unless one of the teams proves to be elite. Like, let's say, we'll just use Arizona for an example, because they're probably the clearest one right now. If they were to end up, like, top 10 in the country, I would think team, um, an analyst would think more highly of the conference overall, even though it is num number two in the RPI at the moment. Um, you know, you need more results. You can't have seven teams that are the 40th best team in the country. Right. No one's super excited about that. So, to me, you've got to have a couple that are finishing the top 25 to really boost the overall perception of the league. Um, but overall, I think it hurts, definitely. So the final question for you would be, how many teams at this point do you see getting into the tournament from the Pac-12? I still see five, okay. um, which I think is lower than most people would say. Um, I'm kind of a pessimist on that. I don't like to overpredict things this early in the game. I, I just, 
somebody has – it's to the point that we're going to be beating each other up that a lot of these resumes are going to look pretty suspect by the end of the year. On the flip side, though, how it looks right now, um, especially with Washington at 3-0, and even if they can finish, like, within the top 100 of the RPI, which I still think is pretty reasonable at, possible, this, yeah, yeah. at this point, the only possible bad loss – in the entire conference is Washington State. Right. So the, it's almost ugly to think about that being the best part of your resume is, ooh, we, the had worst no loss, loss we had was Washington, you know? But that is important. I mean, there are teams on the bubble right now that have multiple top one or losses outside the top 100 right now. There's a few that have losses to teams ranked 200 in the RPI. Um, if you get a two of those, you're pretty much out for the most part. That's what history shows. Um, so, you know, I mean, the other thing that's saving us right now is we're 3-1 and one on the road. Um, the only other team on the bubble right now that even has two or uh, that has three wins or more is Monmouth. They have they have six. They're the giant killers. I love Dude, everything about that they team. They have six road wins. That's unreal. Yeah, that's insane. And they're not all bad. I mean, Most like, teams don't get six road wins in a year. Oh, yeah. I mean, sometimes at the lower levels you do, the good teams. Right. But six, they, they've played, I think they're 12-4. and four. What is their RPI? Uh, 24. 24. Okay. But they've, they've played three home games. Their, <laughs> their first nine games of the year were neutral court or on the road. Wow. That's crazy. I just saw I mean, to even have the record that they do right now, people are kind of like, eh, I don't know if they deserve to be in. It's like, no. They have six road wins. And they've beat? They it. beat UCLA. They beat USC, two of the best teams in the Pac-12 right now. I mean, they've got a couple other good wins. They lost a couple other close games. Like, to me, they're, they're, they would be comfortably in. If I had a if I had a bracket right now, <laughs> so my my final question I know I said the last one was but you you think five teams are getting in? Is the Buffs resume good enough where a fifth place finish in the Pac-12 gets them in, or could it be something like what happened to the volleyball team where you finish fifth but six and seven have the same record of you and they have a better resume and they're getting in over you? If they finish fifth in the conference, their resume will be good enough, hundred percent. Okay. I mean, I think you could argue that the team who finishes seventh has a, a good enough resume. You just can't pick them all. Right. In my opinion. I mean, you, if you have so many similar teams in the Pac-12 that are similar to other bubble teams, you, more often than not, you're going to take an 11-7 and seven team from another conference over, let's say, 9-9 nine and nine Oregon State. In my eyes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Tyler. I, I think this, that's kind of insight that you can't get really anywhere else uh, except for here on the BSN Buffs podcast. On the other side, we will preview these two games coming up this week. Uh, and see what the Buffs need to do to get themselves back in a position where they're uh, more in position to be in the tournament. I just wanted to add one last piece that I wanted in there. And I was going to say, I was talking beforehand about how I wanted to compare it to other conference, uh, teams around the country. And so a team that everybody, I think, seems kind of high on right now that I would like to say maybe we should backtrack on them a little bit is Notre Dame. Um, so they're one of the teams that I put in this analysis right now. What do you think they are against the top 200 in the RPI? How many games have they played against them? Played Miami. They, they have played nine games against the top 200, which is not good to start. Right. Uh, let's say, I'm going to guess, two and seven. They're four and five, <laughs> which is by far the worst among anybody on the bubbles. And in the, t- the top 100, they're two and five. Wow. So, like, that's not good at all. Um, and they obviously have a lot more time. They play in the ACC. They're going to have big opportunities left and right. But. I mean, it just kind of goes to show that we're not the only team right now that's like, oh, God, we need wins. There are a bunch of other teams. In, in general, you've seen throughout college basketball, there's a lot of average basketball right now. So we have opportunities to get back into it. We just blew a big one. Yes. On Friday. Well, 
like I said, analysis that you can't get anywhere else. And here at BSN Denver, you get it for free. But to keep it that way, we got to take a quick break. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When was the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday Ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. back and we're back on the Blake Street Tavern uh, BSM Bucks podcast uh, which is brought to you in part by Boot Mechanics in Golden. Uh, this place is going to get your ski performance over the hill. Not over the hill. <laughs> Literally. Over the top. So you're not <laughs> over the hill. Um, we're talking about uh, Jeremy Johnson who is a professional skier is going to custom fit your boots to give you a more uncomfortable ride, increase that performance. Uh, the way they do this is pretty cool. Uh, I've done it before. You go in there and you stand on this weird jelly stuff and, and, and it sucks up really tight to your feet and it makes a, a, a mold exactly of the bottom of your foot. And then they make a footbed out of that, which you can stick into your boot and makes your boot so much comfortable. I know that so many people have trouble, including myself, uh, with the comfort of boots. I, I have um, issues with my feet and kind of the, the arches of my feet. And, and once you get this custom footbed, 
it's going to make your entire ski day so much better because you're not going to have to be worrying about pain, trying to use the lift to get that foot right. Um, so go into Boot Mechanics in Golden. Tell them that BSN Buff sent you. Uh, you can call them at 303-916-3498. That's 303-916-3498 or visit bootmechanics.com. Another place where the skiing is good besides Colorado is Oregon. And the Oregon schools come to eh. It's 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 Mount Hood. Whatever. And the Oregon schools come to Boulder this weekend. You have Oregon State and Oregon. Oregon State comes actually this Wednesday, which I guess is the weekend according to the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon <laughs> will be playing Sunday at the exact same time as the Broncos game is going on. So if you don't catch that game, I, I mean, most people won't blame you, but I will, uh, Ryan. And I, uh, I, I will not be catching the game. I'm very sorry to our loyal followers. But to start off the week, you have Gary Payton the second. It's the second, not junior. I and, know. And Tress Tinkle coming in. Trace. Trace. Okay, you knew I was going to screw something <laughs> up. Trace Tinkle. Uh, Someone tell Shap that it's Trace Tinkle. You even talked about it with Siskin. Yeah, I'll still screw it up. We love you, Clutch. <laughs> uh, led by uh, Mr. Tinkle, Coach Tinkle, his dad. The man. He's awesome. He's so cool. Uh, who was one of the volleyball players tweeted last year? Uh, Wayne Tinkle is so foxy. He's a silver fox. <laughs> he <laughs> is like, okay, I can see it. Ever since I sat next to him at an AAU event, he's been my favorite coach in the Pac-12. He's awesome. Uh, his team on the year has played pretty well thus far. They're 11-3, and and in Pac-12 play, they're 2-1. and uh, They had a big win uh, against their rival, the Oregon Ducks. What are we looking forward to in this game? I, I think every Buffs fan is probably looking forward to seeing Gary Payton against this team, but what else are we looking forward to? Well, that's the thing is who's going to guard him? Uh, how are you going to stop him? And how are you going to keep him from just having one of those ridiculous games? He's one of those guys, um, like, uh, I, I don't want to compare him to Draymond Green because they're so different, but he can have a triple-double on any night. You know, he crashes the boards. He's the number one rebounder on their team um, in terms of rebounds, in terms of rebounds per minute. He is the best rebounder on that team. Uh, and the Buffs are going up, again, you know, their wings aren't the greatest defenders. It's the reason why they're still uh, having trouble finding a starting rotation when it comes to their wings. So for them, it's going to be interesting to see how they can stop him, how they can keep him off the boards. And then it's going to be the Buffs' offense versus this zone. Um, this zone this zone defense is very strong. It's given a lot of teams struggles throughout the years. And who's struggled against the zone as, as much as anyone throughout the years is the Buffs. So for them to have success, they're going to have to hit those outside shots. And they're going to have to move the ball quick. They're going to have to hit the high post. Um, all the things that you talk about with the zone, which this team's actually more equipped to do than Buffs teams in the past, that is how you're going to win this game. And that's how you're going to beat Oregon State. Some of the Buffs' best areas on the court are probably fit very well against his own defense. However, the last few games, they haven't shot that well from the three-point line. The only guy that's consistently been good from the three-point line all year, and even so, he's been inconsistent at times, has been George King. Mm -hmm. So once again, it comes down to George King hitting his shots and Josh Scott hitting his shots. And if they're able to do that and get a contribution from one more guy, they're probably going to win this game. But those things are all big ifs right now at this point. The Buffs haven't consistently done that over the last five games. Right. Um, I think if you're able to get, you know, those three-point shooters to start to cook a little bit, um, Josh Fortune, man, if he could have a good game, it would really open things up for them. Uh, Treshawn Fletcher had a great practice today while we were watching him. Uh, the way that this is – it's not how you want to beat them, but really it's going to come down to whether you can shoot the three-pointer. Um, and, th and this team can do it. And 
every team doesn't want to fall in, fall in love with the three when they shoot a zone, and every team ends up doing it. So, you know, George King hit that first one, which I feel like he does almost, you know, at a very high rate. He hits his first shot of the game, which is a corner three as if it, as it was uh, against Utah. Hit that first one, you know, uh, Josh Fortune hit that first one. Get them in a little foul trouble underneath. They're, they don't have anyone who can guard Josh Scott. Josh Scott's going to feel like, you know, when you shoot with a medicine ball and then it shoots really light after that, that's how Josh Scott's going to feel playing after not having to go up against uh, a seven-foot-two All-American in Jakob Pertl. What does Oregon State, Akron, Dayton, and St. Bonaventure have in common? All places I don't want to visit. They all got one vote in the AP poll this week. <laughs> uh, getting six votes was Oregon. Oregon not the best weekend for them. They've still been pretty good on the year. They're 13 and three. Uh, I think they're two and one as well. Or are they one and two in Pac-12 play? I know they they're lost. They're one and one, aren't they? No, or because no, you can't yeah. be one and one I, at this point. They uh, are. Uh, they're two and one as well. Okay, sorry. Two and one. Sorry. And they have a guy. I think Buffs fans are very looking forward to seeing. That's Tyler Dorsey, a former CU recruit. Uh, he's been very, very good for Oregon. He's missed two games due to an injury, but he's been fantastic. Otherwise, they also have a few other very good players. Uh, one of the guys I've been looking forward to see is Chris. Uh, I can't say his name right. Boucher or whatever. Boucher. Boucher. Like uh, Bobby Boucher. Right. I know. I just. I can't. After I read it, I can't say yeah. it right. And uh, he's been very good defensively. So they have a couple really good pieces. And this Oregon team, if they come together, can probably make a pretty deep run in the Pac-12. Yeah, uh, I love this Oregon team in so many facets. Um, Tyler Dorsey, man. I've, I, I watched him once on the AAU circuit, and I was like, this guy's incredible. And I remember interviewing him and him kind of like scoffing at the fact that I asked him about the buffs. And then they ended up find, finally finding a way to get into his recruitment. But... In the end, it didn't work out for them. Uh, I think there'll be, you know, a little bit of a heightened sense of urgency from them in terms of guarding him. But the problem for Oregon is they don't have a guy who can, uh, who can stop Josh Scott. Uh, they just simply don't. They're very small up front. And so you're talking about a team now who the Buffs can really expose inside with Josh Scott. And maybe Wesley Gordon becomes that second option in that game. Oregon, Oregon State, a big weekend for the Colorado Buffaloes as they look to go 2-1 and one on this homestand rather than one and two or even oh and three that would be a huge detriment to this buffaloes team as they're looking to increase their resume increase their standings in the pac 12. one of the things i do want to bring up before we leave you on the bsm bus podcast is the wing rotation you have josh uh josh fortune Treshawn fletcher george king those three wings continue to rotate ryan do you like it why do you think this is continuing to happen do you think it'll change well i'll tell you why it's continuing to happen because we heard tad boyle say the exact words today um, and he basically told them, none of you have stepped up defensively. All I, need is one, all I need is one or two of you to step up defensively, and we'll stop this rotation. But it hasn't happened. And he told them, you know, I have no problem continuing with it, but I'd really, I really want one of you guys to, to step it up and finish off one of these games. You know, someone has a chance to go up against Gary Payton and prove that they can be the stopper for this team. Um, and when that happens, you will get that. But maybe it's a matter of just giving the job to one of them in, in giving them some confidence. I, I'm someone who believes George King's probably earned that just because he's been so good offensively, but, you know, Tad Boyle doesn't really care what you do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, he's blind to it. Um, you've got to prove it on defense, and I think, really, this game against Gary Payton the second, this is the one where you can, you can make a name for yourself in Tad Boyle's eyes. Make a name, make some stops. Oregon State, that game is Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. That's going to be the first game the students are there for. That's not over break. That's not a versus Division II 
ranked opponent that's not there over finals. Uh, so that's Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. That's a pretty big game for the Buffaloes. And then Sunday at 5 o'clock against Oregon. And that's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast. And yeah, we got we got to clean things up here in the boardroom as the CU, CU Young alums are getting ready to have a meeting in here. Uh, check them out on Facebook and join that if you're, like me, a young alum. Yep, uh, or you're a soon-to-be young alum, I will be joining that in the future. Uh, thank you for joining us on the BSN Buffs podcast. He is Ryan Konigsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. We both work for BSNDenver.com, part of the BSN Denver podcast network, a branch of BSNDenver.com. I love you, Brandon Spano, and we'll see you next week, next Monday at the Blake Street Tavern. Thanks, guys. Everybody knows me now. Look up here.